Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to another episode of the Creators Outlet, live on YouTube and anywhere you can download a podcast from. Tonight, we welcome our special guests, the creative team behind Where Wolves. 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 Oh, that's difficult to say. <laughs> welcome, everybody. How are you? Excellent. Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. I'm doing thanks well. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks for coming out. Otherwise, I would have been sleeping until 11 when my next show goes on. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's start with a little origin story on everybody. Uh, Ren? Uh, I do visual effects for a living. Uh, and uh, in 2012, I started New Paradigm Studios to make you know comics. And uh, we had our first book called Watson and Holmes that came out in 2013. And it got nominated for a couple of Eisner Awards in 2014. And we ended up doing the second volume after that, around 2016. And uh, the past couple of years, uh, between Paul and I, uh, Mendoza, who's my creative partner, uh, we were coming up with ideas for werewolves, which was actually way back in the day, probably around 2011. But we never really you know, got to making anything until around... 2018, we got some better ideas to change the story, and we decided we wanted to work with Joelle because she does great uh, humor and drama really well, and uh, we always wanted to work with her. So uh, around 2019, she was available, and we started, you know, the new version of the, the story. Cool. Val? Yeah. Uh I uh, am pretty, I'm actually pretty new <laughs> to the industry. Um, I graduated from SCAD in 2018. Um, and my first book was Cheer Up, Love and Pom Poms from Oni Press. Um, and I came onto this project uh, because I had done, I had worked on Enrolled and Told with uh, Steens, uh, Christina Stewart. Um, and they actually contacted me about coming onto this project, which I was very excited about. It came at the perfect time in my life. I was uh, still working in, 
food service and it was a very miserable job. So I was much happier uh, doing this instead. <laughs> oh, food service is always a miserable job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Joelle. Yeah, I've gone past my, my food service horror stories um, to work and I've been um, professional writer most of my career now I started in advertising as a copywriter and for the past 10 years or so I've been uh, writing creatively full-time I do a lot of animation um, kids and, and some adult um, I've done comics and graphic novels um, most notably the Safe by the Bell graphic novel for Lion Forge which is how I met Christina Steens, um, who worked for Lion Forge, is a great editor there. And I also do um, TV movies. I did Paris Wine and Romance for Hallmark. And I, I write video games, so do a little bit of everything. And it's a very interesting back wall with some, uh, some cool stuff behind you as well. Yeah, I've got my, my comics back there, and the wall facing me is animation. So it's kind of great. It's like having this sort of living resume. So if people ask me what I've done, I can just look up and, and read off. <laughs> you just read everything there, off. There, there's a lot of it, and I forget. <laughs> yeah, I, I forget what I went into the kitchen for. and But remember the song, <laughs> song lyrics from the 70s. So, you know. There's that too. It's all... All well and so uh, this is a YA graphic novel, correct? Yeah. And uh, how many how many pages is it? One hundred sixty. Uh, one hundred fifty-one of it is story. Okay, very nice. And why don't you give us a, a synopsis of of the book and and your big selling points why people would be interested in this. Joelle, would you mind? Because I think you can explain it even better than I can. Sure. It takes place in a small Michigan town called Howlett, the home of the Papa Dog Food Factory. And we start uh, with our main character, Mara, who is secretly a werewolf and kind of a loner. And she uh, gets this new group of friends who have been bitten by these stray uh, infected dogs. And I'm giving it away if I told you how they got infected. But instead of turning into werewolves, they turn into dogs, were dogs. So Mara befriends this new pack and teaches them how to control their powers. And they go up against um, her cousin who has taken over her pack, her family, after her father mysteriously disappeared and wants to turn uh, her law-abiding good werewolf family into a pack of vicious criminals. So she teams up with her new friends to go up against the big bad werewolves. And also, they they help her solve her father's disappearance. So it's a it's kind of like a werewolf uh, Scooby Doo vibe, a little bit, a bit, yeah, a, a, very, very, very bit, or bite maybe even. <laughs> um, so, where did the original story come from, and and how did it end up morphing into what it is now? Um, I started out with some illustrations of the characters, uh, you know, around 2011 or so. And I had some ideas of just, you know, we're dogs versus biker werewolves. And Paul came up with some of the interesting ideas how they turn into were dogs, which still stays till this day. That's one element that never changed, how the inciting incident, how that happens. And, you know, Paul developed it, you know, on and off for like, you know, since then. And again, like I was saying, around 2018, we had the idea that it was originally supposed to be about adult characters, but after seeing, you know, a lot of, you know, YA middle grade books, 
I felt like this story lends itself better to kids versus adults, especially with like the success of Dogman. It's like, you know, it's like mm -hmm. I, I personally would love to see the kids who were raised on Dogman who grow older might want to go on to werewolves eventually. Um, but Paul came out with a, a really cool story uh, and we decided it just needs to be taken to a finish. And we brought it over to Joel and be like, we were like, Hey, <laughs> make this better. Uh, but we also hired Steens because she became available after um, Lion Forge, you know, got taken over by Oni and some people were laid off. Mm -hmm. She became available and we just put this thing together. Uh, Steens found Val. So it was just, just, you know, it, it really was a lot with Steens helping, you know, get everything working together and making sure the story stayed on point. She, she's super valuable on this. And uh, Val, what did you do? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what anybody does. I know, I know Brandon helped create the characters. Yeah. And... Paid the bills. Oh, okay. I got some. I'll send you. Um, I was the artist. Um, oh, very cool. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's very explanatory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, like I did uh, most of the character designs, but they were based on the work that a previous artist had done. I don't recall what their name was, who had been working on the book before me, um, of course, with plenty of input um, from everyone else on the team. Um, but yeah, that's what I did. Did you do all the art like uh, from from start to finish? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. It's uh, it's not very often nowadays that that happens. There's, there's always there's usually like you know a finisher involved or you know uh, somebody else doing the coloring. But you're doing everything, so yeah. It's more common, I think, with like Marvel and DC for a lot of the work to be split up for like who's doing pencils, who's doing inks, colors, letters, and stuff like that. I did not, oh, I did not do letters for this book. Um, that's the one part of the art that I did not do. Yeah, and Duke sure did the, the lettering. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I know him. His <laughs> name's on a whole bunch of books behind me. Yep. 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 He's awesome. You know, it's, it's kind of like if you were, uh, if you were a comic fan in like the nineties, uh, there's no way that you could avoid having a book that, uh, that Scott Hanna worked on. <laughs> Welcome, Miss Rena. How are you? I like it when I get distracted by comments. <laughs> So uh, what's the release date of the book? The book's already out. It's on Amazon right now. Uh, okay. We have it at some stores in Los Angeles, and we're going to be having it in some more places cross-country soon. Uh, but the book came out December 21st, so it was like literally just barely a month. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it just kind of came out in the holiday season where everyone's doing everything. So it's only now, you know, it's word of mouth is starting to go around about it. So, um but if they go on Amazon and want the copy right now, they can go right there. Yeah, if you have the Amazon link, uh, shoot it to me in the private chat, and I will uh, I will post it up. Absolutely, and they could take a look at our book trailer as well. Hold on a second. Yeah, send that over and, and anything you want to uh, anything you want to share artistically from the book. Yep. Sorry. If there's anything, uh, any art you would like to to share from from the book, um, I actually <laughs> speak of, you can hit the share button down the bottom, and we can uh, we can take a look at it and talk about it as well. Awesome. Yeah, I actually don't have anything on my computer on the side, oh, okay. but if anyone else does, <laughs> so on that YouTube link, there'll be the actual trailer and it'll also have a link to the Amazon page as well. Okay. I'll awesome. even send you an Amazon one too. Okay. And we, get, we get to watch a mini movie. And it's Kindle and paperback. So 
Good. So I'm going to bring up the trailer because. Uh... Yeah, that came out just a few days ago, actually. Oh, nice. So what are the, what are some of the stores uh, out in L.A. that have the uh, that are carrying the book for you right now? Uh, Golden Apple, uh, Galaxy of Comics, uh, what's the other one? Secret Headquarters, uh, who else? Uh, Fiction, um, we did a a signing there uh, right before the holidays. Emerald Knights, uh, who else? Um, Let's see. Golden Apple? Yeah, we took Golden Apple. Um, DJ's Universal, uh, Legacy Comics in Glendale. Uh, trying to see who else. Um, uh, that may be it for right now, but uh, right now just those are the main LA shops. Um, going to some other ones and adding them as I'm going along. I so, know Golden Apple quite well. They've gotten more than one of my paychecks for uh, stuff. So. <laughs> they have signed copies over there too, so it's even extra special. Oh, there we go. And we can all pop down here and watch the trailer. So this was animated by Leo's Projects, and the sound design was by David Lucarelli, another mutual friend of... Are you friends with uh, David, uh, Joel? Um, I don't think so. I, I... You might have met him at CBS, though. Yeah, the name sounds vaguely familiar. Find yourself. Find your voice. Find your pack and howl. That made me a little scared of labradoodles. <laughs> stay away from the Pomeranians. They're the, uh, the vicious ones. It's always the little dogs. Oh yeah, the little the little the little dogs with big attitudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so this link I'm putting in now is the. Uh, link for the Amazon page where you can go and buy either the Kindle or the paperback. Yes. I would prefer the paperback because, well, you know, physical media and all. Yep. Yep. You never know what happens in the future and that, you know, that license could go to, you know, another, another company and, then you're like, uh, why can't I read this book again? Well, it's it's so ironic because Amazon bought Comixology and Comixology is getting folded out and being part of Amazon. So it's like, it, it's even harder for publishers like us because it was like we had deals with, with Comixology. Now we have to go back to Amazon's system of things, which I'm not as keen of their uh, interactive views. Like Comixology's quality was better. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Amazon makes a new Kindle version because it's like they've been using the same one for about 10 years. So it'd be nice to have an updated one. Yeah, I like the, I subscribe to Comixology, you know, more than one occasion. Plus, you know, I get all the PR from them and, and like the new, like original stuff. And uh, I, I enjoyed having the subscription and being able to go back and read favorites from my childhood, like Lone Wolf and Cub or, mm-hmm. you know, Transformers or some, you know, or something, something that, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily have in my collection anymore uh, that, you know, that my daughter might have destroyed while she was working on her digital art and trying to get uh, inspiration from something. Well, what I like about Comixology is they always would have these insanely good sales of collections. So if there's like titles that you're like, well, I'm not into like buying a book 
or a set of them, it's like, oh, I could have it digitally and I could still enjoy reading them for a lot cheaper price because it's like mm-hmm. that's not a title I'm in love with, but I just want to kill some time and you know read a whole you know run of that book. Yeah, it's you know it's just uh, it was convenient. I think was 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 the thing. I know uh, Marvel and DC have their you know their back and forth battles with their with their digital platform and. I never read digital until I, you know, was doing reviews for various sites and, you know, would get the advanced copy digitally and, you know, be able to check it out like that. But um, now, now I don't mind it. And I, I see uh, there's, there's quite a few uh, campaigns out there that have uh, special digital perks where they'll, they'll do like a, a cross promotion with, with other indie creators and they'll get like a block of people to donate like the first issue of their series that they're on, like issue three or four of to try to, you know, get interest in other people's work as well. And they'll uh I know there's a campaign going now where they will they will send you 14 digital comics for a donation of one dollar. Mm-hmm. And they hit they hit their goal right away. And uh so I, I talked to uh a lot of people that I talk to are going like the crowdfunding route, but now everything's changing with that. And, you know, all the rules are changing and their fees are all going up. Imagine that. Uh, so a lot, a lot of creators I know of now are, are, are switching, you know, having to change their game and go, you know, not self-published, but, go through almost the crowdfunding type, but through their own website and be able to offer up anything else they have for sale. You know, if it's a, if it's an artist, that's a creator, they'll have like their original pages for sale and, and stuff like that on there. I, I would like to see a new digital and also other distribution system. I think that's probably the biggest problem right now is that there's not an easy universal way for independents to get into stores and have a really good site and way of raising. I, I know there's some other people who were trying to do something late last year. They were talking about it. I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on with those guys. I hope to hear from them soon about what they want to do, but I definitely think a new system would be great because it'd be nice to have more than just Amazon. It would be nice to have another system where fans can go and, uh, you know, support new projects and, you know, everyone wins on it versus other middlemen and such. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a way, because now I call the, di- the, the digital version I refer to now is the Australian variant <laughs> because it'll cost you like $60 to ship like one book to Australia, which is ridiculous. Uh, and and the UK isn't much better because they have the VAT tax, so they want you to be responsible mm-hmm. for collecting their tax and then give it to them. And I'm like, I think some of us left your country because of this, and we don't want to do it again. Uh, the only way, I think uh, somebody mentioned the only way around it is if you say uh, it's that it was a gift, then... They won't. They can't do anything. But the only good, the the good thing I look about Amazon being on there, somebody with a graphic novel, because Amazon is like in every country. Mm-hmm. So you can order a book from Amazon, like anywhere in the United Kingdom, uh, you know, in Australia, and they'll print it up and ship it to you there. Uh, the shipping will still be expensive, but you won't be paying. Over, oversized, you know, oversized chipping for for anything to get into your country, which that's a that's another thing that has to be worked on. Because yeah, I know the printer I'm using, Mixam, has uh, printers in the UK as well to do print on demand. I have to see if there's a way that if the shipping can be cheap enough to print it on demand. Because normally, when you just print one book, they're going to charge you like twenty bucks for that first book. Mm-hmm. And the shipping might be cheaper because it's coming from England. Because I have had, had stuff done from your British printing to send it to France and England. And it was much cheaper shipping doing it through that printer. But So the question is, will they print it for a reasonable price so that when I sell it to a British customer, you know, 
they're not paying a crazy rate and they're not paying a crazy mailing rate. So I think that's something that has to be thought of as well, because I'm willing to do that for like overseas, you know, customers, if there was a way to make it, you know, financially feasible. I know there's a, there's a couple of uh, indie uh, creators that have gone into the uh, fulfillment game and uh, RJ from uh, critical blast. I think he's out on the West coast too, uh, Washington state, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and he does the, the stateside fulfillment for, for a lot of campaigns, uh, even, even overseas, Bill, uh, package up everything and send it in like one big oversized box to him. And then he will do the fulfillment with everything, uh, which seems to be a lot cheaper. I know uh, the creator of the sin killer is, uh, is in Portugal. So he had all his books printed up uh, around the UK and another, a friend of his, who's also an indie creator, got everything shipped to him and he did the fulfillment from the Netherlands for that side of the world. <laughs> and uh Critical Blast did all the all the US ones. So they had, you know, printing basically like in the UK and then they shipped them to to the other guy. And then they had uh the printing done here in the States and 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 shipped to the Critical Blast people and they shipped out everything from here. So there's there's people out there working, uh, trying to uh, find a way around the super expensive shipping, uh, which saves the creators money and saves the customers money. And, uh, you know, if you save me like a dollar in shipping, you know, to get a comic, I'm going to be I'm going to be overjoyed because, you know, right now it's, you know, anywhere from uh, anywhere from. 10 to like $35, uh, depending on the size of the, the yep. size of the book or books that you're, uh, that you're getting. So it's. I, I think, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. it, it it's insane. Uh, and, and, you know, the priority mail has gotten expensive now. So it used mm -hmm. to be an affordable way of, you know, I, I would be able to take an envelope and stuff a bunch of books in that envelope and put some padding. And it was like, cool, I got a good deal, but now you're not getting that. Um, but I definitely think if there are a lot of indie creators who can collaborate with your schedules, it would make it much cheaper because, you know, you can get like um, you could do freight shipping and put it in a container. So if you have like 20 creators all printing their books at the same time, you could fill a container and it's much cheaper than sending a box. So like anything that a bunch of creators that we could do eventually together you know, I think can leverage much more things versus doing it yourself. That's the problem with distribution is that they want, like most uh, wholesalers or distributors or stores like Barnes & Noble, they expect you to have 10 books in your, your catalog, and none of us do. You know, maybe a few of us do. But, you know, if you were to take, let's say, 20 creators and each um, have a couple of books from them, you could end up having a library of, 20, or quote, 20 books from a collective that mm -hmm. could, you know, go on distribution and actually, you know, even get better rates shipping overseas, you get better deals printing because you go to a printer and saying, Hey, I'm getting 20 books printed this month. You know, you will get a much better deal than one person printing one book. So that's something I'd love to talk to other creators and self publishers about. Yeah. Cause uh, it, it is an, it is an issue. I think the reason nothing like that has come together is usually when campaigns go up they're in various states of completion uh i know a bunch of uh creators uh like uh, roland man's company he doesn't launch a like a kickstarter until the book is 100 percent done and then you have other people that are launching their campaign because they need to pay, they need to be able to pay their artists and, you know, anybody else working on the book. Uh, and, you know, it could be only like 12 pages into the, you know, into like a 90 page, you know, graphic novel format. And then, you know, so nothing is done on a, on a schedule because everybody's on a different schedule. Uh, a lot of, a lot of creators, a lot of indie creators out there, you know, 
they're not just working on the books. They're, you know, holding down like a real world job on top of doing what they love and, you know, dividing that between, you know, you know, family, friends and, you know, getting stuff done, you know. Yes, uh, Trish and Mike uh, just had them on a couple of days ago. They have uh, they have a project we, they love on Kickstarter, so uh, they're doing good. And they they waited until uh, their book was one hundred percent complete. I don't know if you're familiar. I did also with Paul. We did some work on a anthology series called uh, "Cthulhu Is Hard to Spell" by Wannabe uh, Press by Russell Mohalty. And that was a Kickstarter. We did, uh, they did two volumes of it. And one was Cthulhu is hard to spell. And the second one was Cthulhu is harder to spell the terrible twos. And um, basically an anthology of Lovecraftian stories uh, with different creators. They're each about 170 pages, hardcover. There's going to be a volume three. We didn't work on volume three, but, you know, I'm looking to get my copy. So uh, that's coming out next month. But that was something that, Paul and I did stories on, and if anyone has ever gotten it, you'll see our work in it. Nice, yeah. There's there's been there's there's been a lot of Cthulhu uh, books and anthologies. Uh, there was there was one done, and I I had spoken to like multiple creators that worked on it. Uh, was Cthulhu invades Oz, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is different. But uh, Brandon is sharing some stuff, so I want to look at it. And we have like the first 10 pages we can take a look. Volume one. So how many volumes are you uh, looking to do in this series? I would love to do three. Easily, you know, tell you know a three-part story. The infamous trilogies. Yes, <laughs> it breaks down well. Yeah, we plant some seeds for a, a possible sequel towards the the latter third of the book. Just being able to check out some of the pages. So Val, tell me about your art. Uh, well, I um, did most of these pages in Photoshop and then I moved on to, I, I switched from using mostly Photoshop to Clip Studio last year. Oh yeah. Um, just because everyone was kind of making that switch uh, and the, Clip Studio is much easier to use. I think it's much more user-friendly than Photoshop is. The only mm -hmm. issue is that you can't convert anything to CMYK. So I colored things in Clip Studio and then had to move them back into Photoshop and convert them to CMYK so that they could actually be ready to print. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard that because I, I know uh, my friend Phil, who's a colorist, uh, uses uses both he's like well i do everything i do everything i do in clip but then i have to put it over to photoshop so we can transfer it into uh you know usable material and um sometimes clean up a couple of areas or whatever and uh so when did you, when did you first start uh drawing um I think, oh my gosh, it was January of 2020. So it was right before uh, the pandemic. Um, I think that that is when I started doing pages. Um, and I liked the way that uh, the art was done in batches for this book. Christine, uh, Steen set up my schedule. Um, so I would do 15 pages of thumbnails then 15 pages of the pencils from those thumbnails and then ink them and then move on to thumbnails again. So it was kind of like, every two weeks I was doing something different. And so it was a lot less monotonous than the usual, uh, like doing 120 pages of thumbnails, then penciling 120 pages, then so on and so forth. Oh yeah. 
and let's just switch it around so you're not going. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. Keeps your brain stimulated. And the writing was done in batches as well. So Isbell started on his his thumbnails and his drawings. Um, I could continue writing the the next batch that I had. So it moved the process along a lot quicker. Other than you know, me writing, you know, 151 pages of you know, panels and, and dialogue, and then handing the whole chunk off. Yeah. So, so Val, you, you worked your way into a, uh, a perfect work from home situation right in the nick of time. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was still um, doing food service and barista stuff like up until, um, gosh, August of 2020, uh, which was interesting. <laughs> um, but this, this is definitely the, the project that enabled me to not have to do that anymore. And it was especially good to not have to do that anymore uh, during during the pandemic uh it's it's good to not have to do that at any time really yeah <laughs> so uh tell me about this uh this group of kids uh that we can see all in the in the center panel here so left to right we have jay who has some issues with his parents wanting him to not only study and get good grades but also work at the family jewelry store so he's got no time for friends no time for dating and he you know he, he kind of struggles a bit and then you know turning into a, a wear dog doesn't really help his situation out much no that's got a crimpy social style too. yeah yeah, that's what, what he has to deal with. Um, so next we have Alvern. Alvern is the new kid in town. So he uh, lost his parents and is now living with his aunt Carla, who's on the Howlett police force and may know a thing or two about these uh, werewolves that everyone kind of talks about it doesn't actually exist and he's adjusting to his new school and you know wanting to play football and he's got a, a little bit of a crush on Mara who is standing next to him and Mara is uh, you know, she she lives kind of on the outskirts of town the not so great area uh, with her extended family, which is her, her pack, and her father is the leader of the pack until he disappears, and then her cousin Zev takes over, and they do not get along. They have very, Mara is very interested in keeping her father's vision of the pack because uh, she is pretty sure he's going to come back from wherever he's disappeared to, um, and she doesn't want there to be this major disruption, which, you know, Zev is you know, planning these heists and crimes, and she's kind of going up against him, even though she's, you know, she's very young and not as powerful as the, the rest of them. She's trying to stand her ground. Um, and then we have Lorenzo who um, he has a huge crush on the hot guy at school. And he lives with his sister, Isabel. And their parents are very wealthy. So, and they're kind of always off on business trips and traveling and you know consulting for various clients. So they, they leave Lorenzo and Isabel and it's like, really nice house just by themselves. So they can kind of use it as their, their headquarters as, uh, as they all bond together as werewolves. And Lorenzo, he's kind of the class clown and he's also an opportunist. So he uses his 
uh, his opportunity to change into a dog to kind of stalk his crush a little bit. So he, uh, he gets a lot of crap from Isabel about his, uh, his loose morals and, uh, and using his ability that way. Um, and Isabel is all the way to the right and she has a huge crush on Jay. And she, um, she's also, you know, everyone has secrets. She is secretly a big nerd and doesn't want anyone to know. So she pretends that you know, she, she's in hiking clubs and like cooler clubs, but she doesn't want anyone to know that she's really like, you know, playing chess or doing what, what she considers uh, things that Jay would not find cool about her. So as the story goes on and everyone kind of becomes more, more comfortable in their skins, they, they deal with these issues. So Val, did you have any uh, challenges artistically uh, while working on the book? Um, I actually, I didn't have a lot of experience drawing animals before this book. Um, so I had to learn pretty quickly how to draw a lot of different dogs, um, which is something that actually like became pretty fun um, for me. Uh, I've never been just like a big animal person, but I think that I have much more of an appreciation for different types of dogs than I did before working on this book. I can identify a lot of more different types of dogs than I could before working on this book. Yeah, I, I grew up with uh, with dogs. Uh, something else that I was allergic to. <laughs> but, um, you know, when my when my allergies started getting better, when I uh, was approaching the teenage years, you know, many decades ago. Uh, we had gotten a uh, we had gotten a German Shepherd, and then we were moving to a we were moving to a smaller place where we couldn't take the dogs. So my mother would, didn't let me say goodbye to the dog, and just uh, you know took the dog to to its new home, and I was very angry for a long time. Yeah, I can imagine. I would be too. Like the dog could have slept in my room. <laughs> they don't allow dogs when we're moving. Yeah. Well, move someplace else. <laughs> it's next to where I work. We can't. Oh. So. so for a while I started hanging out at the at the local dog park just to just to torment myself, I guess. <laughs> That kind of companionship, it's a big thing to lose. Oh, yeah. The dog, yeah. Ironically, I think all three of us are cat people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm allergic to cats, but I do love my cats. <laughs> so you're allergic to cats, but you have cats. Yeah, I, I only found out um, a couple of weeks ago that I was allergic. I was wondering why I felt so sick <laughs> all last year. Uh, and then finding out it was because of my cats. But I have some allergy medication now, so I can tolerate them. Uh, I'd say about yeah, about ten years ago, uh, I got custody of my daughter, and uh, we moved into a house that was owned by a friend of mine. And mm. she, can we get a pet? Can we get a pet? And friend of mine had a you know had a litter, and we got we got the the kitten that. Uh, we called spaz <laughs> for a good reason. And uh, we had him till, uh, till I got sick and the house ended up being sold. And then uh, the new owners uh, kept him because uh, out in the woods, the the little nieces like to come in and, and visit. So 
it was an integrity. One that yeah. uh, living next to a river now, uh, I might have to, you know, actually get one again. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Not not till I put all my toys and, and comics away, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to do if the cat destroys your comics? Well, there will be no more cat. <laughs> yeah, I, I love dogs, but it's uh, too much responsibility for me. Yeah. We have black. Yeah. I love dogs, too. My only problem is uh, I don't want to go around with plastic bags picking up their stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, plus, I'm in a wheelchair, so I can't, like, get down too far. And I'm like, hmm. No. So instead I just I just encourage all my friends and family that own dogs to come visit so I can play with and pet the dogs. And then they can take them home. I guess it's the closest <laughs> I'm going to be uh to a grandparent for a long time. And my, my sister has has dogs, so I feel like I'm I'm a dog aunt. Mm. So I can go and, and play with them and, and walk them um and then not have to deal with uh Doing that every day. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to go to the vet. You don't have to go to the dog park. You don't have to buy food and toys and you can't oh. travel without having to board them. Yeah, it's it's almost you almost I would almost rather have another child than than <laughs> the expenses of a dog. Because for some for some reason, if you have to go in and have surgery, your insurance will cover a good portion of it. But for some reason, the same surgery on a dog is like, you know, $100,000 more. Like, <laughs> why? It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, my I, cats have health insurance. So. You can get health insurance for cats. Yeah, you can get health insurance for pets. I need to do that for my cats. <laughs> it really yeah. costs, costs yeah, a be, lot of be, money. Be, before they break down, insure them today. <laughs> I, I grew up with... With dogs at, at my parents' house, and it wasn't fun because it was like you know my parents would leave newspaper on trees. They didn't walk them to do their business. They did their business on newspapers, and you know we had to constantly clean it. It would stink. You know, it's like uh, that's what I love about cats. It's like you know they're litter trained, and it's so much easier. You know, um, but my brother has dogs, and uh, you know. He's not much of a trainer, so some of them can be a little wild sometimes, you know, a little mm. undisciplined. So it's like you have a dog. I think one of the biggest investments you have to do is train it. And it's like people think they know how to train a dog, but really they, they don't. don't. They don't. You really have to hire a professional to train the dog as like a, a puppy and like get that dog to be a, a, a decent dog. Otherwise, they're just crazy. And, you know, it's just makes life a little bit more difficult. So, you know, that, that that's probably my biggest advice to people who want dogs. It's like, all right, if you're going to get a dog, invest in a trainer, really. Or, you know, go to puppy, you know, doggy training classes, whatever. But don't neglect that because people think they know, but they really don't. I, I want that guy from TikTok to train a dog for me that has the dog actually using the toilet. <laughs> I'm like, Impressive. I'm like, that is like a million dollar business right there. You trained your dog to use a toilet. I mean, it probably won't flush it, but you know, you're like one step closer to, uh, you know, to clean up perfection there. Well, for 30 bucks, you can get one of these specialized litter boxes you put on a toilet seat and <laughs> train a cat to use a toilet. So they, it's like a donut and it's a ring and you just put it on, they use it and then you remove parts of it. And then eventually they just use the toilet seat to, you know, go their business. It's like, uh, but you probably should start with like a younger cat. I don't think you can do it with like a, an adult cat. You know, it's like, they're already set in their ways. It's like cats pretty much train their owners. So it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm here. This is all mine now. And I let you stay here. Feed me. Wait, there's, there's not enough food here. The middle of the bowl is empty. Feeding more. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, the, the, the cat alarm where she knows the second I open my eyes in the morning and then it's meow, meow, meow until it gets fed. Uh, a friend of mine's like that. 
she, uh, I, I joke with her. I go, "You're too young to be in to be the the crazy old cat lady." She's she's got like five or six cats, Ooh. and she'll she'll wake up in the morning and they'll basically have her pinned in under her covers, like they'll be sleeping. You know, the sides of her legs, between her legs, one will be sleeping on her chest, and uh, we'll just stop stop purring. And when they get hungry, if she hasn't woken up yet, they kind of like, and 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 wake her up that way. Uh, everybody, check out the uh, the link I just dropped is the uh, the link for New Paragram Studios over on Instagram. I'm marking my way. Every time I turn around, uh, Brandon is dropping uh, more links. And ooh. another link. Oh, I got a picture. Yay. I like pictures. <laughs> they tell they tell lots of story. Right, Val? <laughs> I hope so. So this is just a post from Instagram uh, mm -hmm. titled Who Let the Dogs Out. So this is a panel from page 10. Uh, no, that's not page 10. That That's uh, around page 29 or 13. That's actually most of the page. It's a splash page. So oh. it got cropped, but that's most of the page. And those are the kids in dog form. And who were they uh, chasing down? <laughs> the kids. The kids are walking from their day finished from school, and the dogs have escaped the. Uh, what do we call it? It's not a pound. It's a. The, the, the shelter. The city shelter. Yeah. And it's not far from the school, so. Yeah, that's going to be no fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like the whole uh, layout of this uh, this shop, though. Shading and coloring was very well. Thank you. And then the kids turn into the corresponding dog that bites them. Oh. So Isabella's bitten by a Pomeranian, and then her, her wear form, she becomes a Pomeranian. And I just followed Joelle on Amazon. <laughs> you follow me on Amazon? Yeah. Uh, it's got a little, when you scroll down uh, the page where you can get the paperback or Kindle, uh, down the bottom it says, about the author and has your name. Discover more of the author's books. See similar authors read author blogs and more, and then you can click the button under, under the, uh, the invisible picture. Uh, and you can, you can follow them on, on Amazon. I follow, I follow probably about two dozen people on Amazon now. I do not have an author blog, unfortunately. But you have plenty of appearances. I do have appearances. We'll probably so, some more in the LA area, some more signings that uh, that Brandon's lining up. Yep. Oh, that was going to be one of my next questions about uh, doing uh, any plans to do conventions to promote this. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully this weekend there's the Pasadena Comic Con, which is a small show on Sunday. So hopefully uh, everything goes right. I'll be there selling some books. Um, 
Let's see. I don't know what other shows, you know, we're going for. I mean, I'd like to get in. I know Burbank has a street uh, thing with like, you know, comics and illustrators and stuff. I forgot what that's called, but it's right on San Fernando Boulevard, like in the media center area. Uh, I'd like to try and get in there. Um, I know I'd love to talk to one of Val's uh, comic stores, you know, see if we can get a signing for him there. Um, so it's just I have, haven't had time to catch up on stuff because I've been busy with work and some other stuff. So now it's sort of like in between. I just try and get whatever I can. So you know, also a lot of times with comic book um, owner store owners, sometimes you just can't catch them for whatever reason. Like some of them aren't there every day at their stores. So it's like, you know, you try and go on a Wednesday and it's like, no, the owner's not there. It's the manager. So it's like, and, you know, they're the ones who make those financial decisions. So you have to always be able to catch them at the right time to, you know, see if there's any interest. Uh, speaking as a former uh, comic shop employee, uh, a lot of us are instructed when we answer the phone that the owner and manager are not here today. Because uh, 90% of the calls are, uh, I have a lot of old comics. Are you interested in old comics? Sure. And back in the 90s, it was like, yeah, I've got like about 20, 30 issues of Spawn. That's not an old comic. <laughs> Does it say 12 cents on the cover? No, okay, it's, it's not that old. But uh, so, do you have any? Uh, do you have anything set up on the uh, on your actual site where people could order like autographed copies of the book? Not yet. Uh, I think the thing is, it's it's tough because it's like um, it's definitely easier to do that in town. I can just go to Joel and be like, "Here's some books, sign them, and let's distribute them to stores." Mm -hmm. um, and also, it's tough because if I was to like send a book, I'd have to send a bunch to Val and then have the books reshipped back. You know, you know, so I could like redistribute them. So it's always a lot easier for me to just you know ship the books to the stores and be like, if there's one near Val, be like, hey, if you do a signing Val, he'll just sign it right there. Um, but at least for me in LA, if I'm like shipping out books, I could always have Joel pre-sign them. You know, it's it's not a big deal. So it's like the logistics, I think, are the toughest part. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'm hoping to if, if we get COVID squared away in October, I'd love to go to New York Comic Con because that's a big show. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have some stuff to take care of in the East Coast, you know, because I have some stuff back east I'd like to send back home. And uh, I would love to go to that show and – do a, you know, bring signed books. I mean, again, it, it's like, uh, it's just a matter of doing that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have no idea. It, it's really is week to week, month to month. I mean, it's, it's, it's more about just getting enough shops across the country to carry the book, you know, and just making it the shipping prices to the point where they don't feel like it's a pain in the butt to like, but I'm trying to give them very good retail, I mean, wholesale prices for the book so that mm -hmm. when you get on the shipping, they're still going to make a nice margin, you know, because a lot of times some people charge too much for wholesale prices. So I want to make sure it, it's like, it's as good as a deal they're going to get from like a bigger distributor. So it's like, the problem is like, you just can't have a shop order one book because if you, even if you ship that medium mail, that's like four bucks to ship it. Versus, like, if you're getting 10 books, I actually weighed the books and, and, and the paper and all that stuff. And that's about $8.25, $8.50. So, you know, if you're going to amortize it, it's not so bad. It's like $0.85 cents extra on top of the, the wholesale price for the book. Mm -hmm. So even that added on, they're still going to be fine when they sell the book. And they could even sell the book at discount and still make money. So it's like the point is to try and make it at a, at a, a price that's, that's fair. But the problem is the whole, the mailing situation screwed everything up. It's like, it used to be, I probably could have put, you know, 10 of them in a priority box for 10 bucks. And that would have been great because, you know, you could trust priority a lot more than media mail. Media mail is like, mm -hmm. eh, you know, are you going to get your, your box ripped open? Or are they going to throw it to the monster in the back of the, the post office to shred it? You don't know. It's like, whereas like if you send a priority, it's, it's already automatically insured and, you know, it's going to get there within three 
to five days now. It's like uh, it, it's, it, it's 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 annoying. That that's for sure. And that's that's one advantage having a distributor does have is that you know you're they're handling all that, so your books are being sent with other people's books and mm-hmm. advertised into a better shipping fee because you know. Uh, distributors get much better deals from like UPS and FedEx than us small fry people do. So, you know, it, it's definitely a lot. I mean, I, just for an example, just shipping to Amazon, like their main facility that's like in the other side of Southern California from me, I was able to ship 400 pounds of books. You know, that was about 400 books to Amazon in 12 boxes for like under a hundred dollars. I could not do that with UPS prices normally. Just just so you know, when you're you're a seller on Amazon, that's how much different. That's how much of a better rate Amazon gets for mm-hmm. to one of their uh, warehouses, because normally it would cost me thirty bucks per box. Yeah, that's that's a little steep. I know I get I get media mail boxes from uh, from a shop out in uh, Glendale, Arizona, and they've got a they got a build a box program. So all, all I do is buy back issues, like older stuff <coughs> on me. Um, and once once they fill up like an actual short box with your name on it, they take those books and they pack them up and they do a great packing job. Uh, and they, they send them media mail. And I usually get them like within a week mm-hmm. once I'm notified that it's shipping out. But once it got to... Uh, Springfield Mass, which is uh, towards Wista in the western part of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they shipped it back to Michigan and then back to Springfield and then back to Michigan and then back to Springfield and then to Rhode Island and then to me. It took me, it took me close to a month to get like one box. But you know, for fifteen dollars shipping, I wasn't complaining. I can, I, I can wait a couple of weeks. I mean, the books I ordered were, you know, pretty much all like Silver Age. So, I I remember sending some books for Mari Watson and Holmes Kickstarter campaign and doing some of them through media mail because it was a better deal. And I would say about like five or six packages got destroyed through media mail, sending them to the backers. Like I had to resend them through, you know, priority mail. So I made it a point, like if I'm ever doing a Kickstarter, it's like that has to be in the budget that you have to have um, priority mail because they don't do it by weight. You know, I would actually put one of those um, tea boxes, you know, those comic book tea folding ones. I would oh, the, uh, like the Gemini's. Yes, I bought some Gemini's. I put the books in the Gemini's, and then I put the Gemini's in, you know, priority envelopes. Mm-hmm. And that was the best way to handle it. So, and I could fit, you know, up to like many comics, and I could definitely fit a couple of graphic novels in a Gemini. So it was like, you know, a really good way of doing things. And I, I definitely recommend people do it that way. It's just, it, it's just expensive, and it's just one of those things where you have to take that in consideration. Uh, when sending Kickstarters or any of those type of things. That, that's one thing that is annoying. It's like it's getting to the point where it's like, oh, my shipping fees are almost the price of the book. Yeah. Well, I, I sell, you know, I sell comics online too because I've got way too many. And uh, I'll, I send them all out in Geminis. But I can, I can fit like up to like 10 comics bagged mm-hmm. boarded and uh you know bubble wrapped in a in a gemini and and not have and not have a problem anything over that i i use you know i use priority and if it's if it's something you know something like some like you know sil you know anything like you know silver age or bronze age stuff i i I do the I do the Gemini's and then I drop everything in those in those mailer envelopes for priority. So I don't want to I don't want to get you know DMs like every three days. Where's my books? Where's my books? Where's my books? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's you know it's just one of those things. So, uh, do you have uh, a schedule of other shows that you're going to be on? I don't know. I mean, we're, we're doing, are you talking about YouTube and podcast shows? Yeah. 
not that I know of. I know Liz is working on, you know, getting some more. So uh, hopefully we can get ones from, uh, I know that uh, Golden Apple has their own show and we were talking to them about that. And I know uh, same thing with Heidi Ho, uh, the woman who owns Heidi Ho, one of the co-owners of Heidi Ho uh, does a show as well. So I think just get, getting from some of those would be great as a start. Um, but other than that, you know, it's pretty much Liz is taking care of that. So I, I find out from her and I tell everyone else. Yeah, I'll, I'll forward her uh, a, a few shows and uh, some information on a friend of mine that uh, that takes care of all the indie books Thank uh, you. at a store in, in uh, Central Florida. And they, they are huge uh, supporters of, of indie comics there, especially when there were no comics to ship out in 2020. And they went to... They went to indies and uh, people love people loved them down there. Uh, some of the series they've ordered like two and three, you know, two and three orders of, you know, a couple of dozen, you know, copies. So I will put a uh, I will put Danny Danny's info to uh, to Liz and I want to thank all of you for uh, for coming out and and hanging out and talking uh talking a little bit of werewolves that I still can't say right. Uh, and uh, we will look forward to checking that out. All the links are in the in the chat for uh, the Instagram and Amazon. Uh, go out and uh, get your copy today on Amazon uh, while they're still available. And if you're out in the uh, the California area, check with Golden Apple and uh, get your copy there. And uh, f follow them on uh, their social media. So. Uh, Brandon, where can uh, where can everybody follow you on social media? I'm B Perlo NPS, so it's B P E R L O W N P S, and uh, New Paradigm Studios is npstudios.com. I'm NP Studios at Twitter and B Perlo NPS. Sorry, Val. I'm Val K Y S V A L K W I S E. Um, pretty much everywhere. My website is valkwise.com and valkwise on both Twitter and Instagram. Very cool. And I'm on Twitter. I'm at where is Joel? And on Instagram, I'm pastel Cali, P A S T E L C A L I. Very good. Well, I'd like to thank you all for coming on, and uh, we will look forward to uh, hopefully seeing your book out on store shelves out here on the East coast. Right, Bill. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everybody have a, have a great night and uh, we'll see you all again real soon. Good night. Good night. Good night.